Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will, the man who loves his horses, his dogs, his punting and his strippers, Mjerden. How are you going tonight, William? Look, I, I'm a bit quiet on this end. I'm, I'm doing my best Oklahoma State impersonation and I'm just not rocking up. Not, not, yeah. not, not here, apparently. Uh, Good oh. by you. That's a fantastic start. That's exactly what we need for this Week 10 episode. I'm glad you, you bring in the juice, mate. I'm excited by that. Thank you. I'm, I'm finding it in this week because apparently if a Div 1 and I can power, see it. I can hear it in your voice, five, I can see it. A Power 5 football program can do it. So the fuck can I. Well, you know what? Welcome to the fucking jungle. I've lived in that space since week two or three. you It's probably a harder hit for you because I accepted it early because we sucked earlier. I took that loss earlier. Whereas you had hope and your hope was building and then and we spoke about this is that college football takes that hope grabs it by the testicles and twists it sometimes later in the year than you would hope and i think for you this came a little later and in record setting fashion uh, that you would not have hoped it's the manner in which it's played out that's really kind of this is a new sort of low that i haven't really experienced full squirrel grip like wow, Full wow. But let's let's not turn this into a Miami Oklahoma State show because then everyone is in misery, the listeners included. We we can power on through that hit this week. We don't we don't need to cover off on that. I'm sure you'll get an opportunity to get a few in at there, and that's fine. Mm. But uh, I, I actually I I won't. I don't care. They're not relevant. So <laughs> oh, I just. Uh, <laughs> it's, it doesn't phase me. Anyway, started. we've got, we're gonna. I reckon this is gonna this is gonna be a uh, a short, sharp show. We've said that multiple times before, and then we've drifted into an hour and twenty minute long episode. So we're gonna keep this one, I think, pretty sharp. We've got the week nine stuff just to touch over very, very briefly because. It wasn't the best week, I don't think, of college football. Um, we've got to hit our punters. And then we get to what is shaping up to be a fantastic week 10. Uh, the schedule makers have done a good job with that one. Uh, on the punt as well, you probably didn't have such a good day there also, William. I feel like it just wasn't your day uh, last weekend. Did you have a crack on... Well, you would have had a crack on the cup. Did you make any money? No, I lost uh, quite a bit of money on Cup Day, actually. I, 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 the losses that I... <laughs> It suffered on the college football uh, Sunday, pale in comparison to what was a tough Melbourne Cup day. But I'm uh, I'm happy for the bookies. They uh, they've had a, a good day there, and it's a notoriously difficult day to punt. And the way that I'm looking at it, the way that I'm trying to frame it up, is that you need to have these down days to really make the the big days feel special. If you had it your own way all the time, it, it just wouldn't wouldn't be the same. Have you, have you thought about investing in? a gambling company rather than actually like gambling just like buying shares in a gambling company it seems like a pretty safe bet at this point nah that's that's a boring way of going about it mate <laughs> i like okay. my destiny in my own hands uh, my bank manager yeah, does not. down <laughs> all right uh firstly college we are college football down under at uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please make sure you hit us up there. Vault Studio Podcast are a part of that collective. Uh, and 
Burnley Brewing. And now, tonight, for the first time in a long time on this show, I'm enjoying a beer. It's delicious. It's, uh, I would say, hydrating, but that would be incorrect. It's just not a fucking Burnley Brewing, JA. <laughs> sort your shit out and get it on the road to us. It's not difficult. It's actually not that difficult. This isn't 1840 where you have to send it on a cart. There's like highway bandits along the way. Get some stamps on it and fucking jog it into the mail. Not that difficult. The whole concept of stamps seems a bit dated. Surely we've got past that. Feels weird. I don't know, dude. I don't go to the post office. You can send shit from home. No one does. I, I don't just, know. I don't know. Stamps seem like a... Maybe that's, where he's, maybe that's where Jay has come undone. He's like, I remember there used to be stamps involved. Now there's no stamps and he's really... It could be like they used, to be, they used to be 10 cents, right? You just slap a 10 cent stamp on. Now if he goes out and Did gets they? like... He'd need to be like a like, roll of 10 cent stamps and he'd have to... I, don't know, I, th- I think they just up the value of the stamp, mate. It's like inflation really? and shit. Really? <laughs> Stamps have never been 10 cents in our lifetime. But anyway. I'm looking this up. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So welcome to uh, the Stamp Collecting Podcast. <laughs> All right. Let's get to week nine games. Firstly, uh, this is not going to take a long time. I know you were buried in a quagmire of uh, self-loathing and hatred um, at yourself secondly but initially of course at the Oklahoma State football program do we want to start there do we want to jump into to that 38 to nothing loss was it 38 is that what it was in the end 38 I believe nothing? it was I believe it was 48 nothing 48 nothing sorry do we want to jump sorry it was 35 nothing at half time wasn't it is that what it was it was a 38 nothing it was it was a lot to not much um do you want to jump into that from an Oklahoma State Kansas State perspective or would you like to leave um, the discussion of that particular destruction to your Cowboys um, to later in the show? You're enjoying too much of this but we can pull the band-aid off here. Uh, Not a band-aid dude. You've got a whole big ass bandage and under there is a grizzly infected maggot riddled wound uh, like I'm, I'm not sure though because i feel like i've had worse losses from a it was close and then there's certain things that happen and you get you get really mad at that right like there's yeah, a play yeah. call or there's a referee decision or something that you're like i've been hosed here and this and is then really you throw the and then you throw the playstation controller out the window and then yeah correct the, the toys are out the cot and you get really mad where this one was just kind of like laughably bad where you just <laughs> you're like this is fucking a train wreck like from yeah. start to finish everything that could have gone wrong did and then it just snowballed to a point where it's like these guys aren't even trying anymore like this is a fucking nightmare we will go through our loved hated spicy takes with with these as well so if you've got anything you loved about this game feel free to chip in here can't imagine there would be but i totally agree with you it felt like was it even on the first drive, Spencer Sanders throws that poster out like straight between defenders. The dude catches it on third and ten, and it's a big gain, maybe even a touchdown, uh, and just straight puts the ball on the deck. Uh, and then you just had missed tackles, and uh, and the the following drive, I think Deuce Vaughn just gashed you big, um, and. It, oh, 
And then the route was kind of on. And I, I didn't suggest, I, I sort of thought that Spencer Sanders might be um, responsible for a big loss like this. And initially, he kind of wasn't. Like, it wasn't his fault. He wasn't doing anything to help really move the ball necessarily. He wasn't doing anything wrong. But it, something about this game to me just didn't sit quite right in the preview in that I thought this something like this could have happened. Obviously not the significance. Obviously not the level of blowout. Um, but I just it just felt like Oklahoma State were off and they were and you know maybe not on this kind of gargantuan level that it turned out to be. But um, yeah, just nothing going right for the Cowboys. Yes, and I kind of I, I feel where you're coming from, and I, I felt the same way the week before against Texas because there are a lot of injuries on that on that squad. There were like three starting receivers out, starting running back, couple on the O line, and you look at that and you go, "Oh, that's you're up for a bit of trouble there." But that was the case going into the Texas game. And then it kind of continued on and, and having won that one and, and playing really well against a very good team, you, you kind of forget about that. But then it all caught up to him and it caught up to him in a bad way. Uh, what was, I read somewhere, the worst loss by a top 10 team in college football history, which is not the record you want uh, mm. on, on the old CV there. So really disappointing. Uh, I guess the, the one thing that I'm going to throw in there in terms of the love-hate spice is is I hated to see uh, a viral clip doing the rounds of poor Gunnar Gundy. Uh, so he ca- uh, you, know, you know how much I hate that space. So he, he came in for like the last drive, the last couple of drives when the game's iced and uh, it looks like Spencer Sanders might have broken his collarbone. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sweet. Six minutes to go when you're getting reamed. Uh, so but he comes into the game, right? And t- tough position, crowds up and about. The, the defense have been having a field day with you all day. Obviously, a few nerves uh, going about, taking your first snaps as like an 18-year-old kid. And like you can see his hands like visibly shaking as he's kind of gone back to, to take the snap from the shotgun. Like it's quite visibly shaking there. And then obviously the, uh, the trolls on the internet have grabbed that and had a field day with the poor young kid. Mm. You hate to see it. Yeah, I hate to see it. Um, so I was kind of thinking what has changed. Like, because I loved, what did I love in this game? I love the use of Juice Vaughan. I thought he had been really kind of quiet throughout the year so far. Um, they hadn't used him as I had hoped they would, but 22 carries in this one. He was catching the ball as well and caught that touchdown just before half time. He had incredibly high expectations coming into the season and he hadn't met those up until this point, I didn't think. And today, or in that particular game, he did a fantastic job um, as a runner and a receiver as well. And he looked the part. Um, so I think I, I, I really enjoyed that for him. The other thing I was having a look at is Chris Kleiman the head coach of uh, Kansas State was squarely on the hot seat before the season started. He had not put a good offense together at all. The defense had been meh. And I was like, what's the difference here? Like, what's happened? and And to be fair, I'm kind of jumping into something that I may not know heaps about here, but who's the offensive coordinator? I don't know if he's a play caller, I guess is my point, but who's the offensive coordinator at Kansas? It's... At Kansas State. Kansas State. Colin yeah. Klein has come in. Yeah, to take the, the ex-quarterback who finished yeah. playing at l- maybe last week. I don't know. <laughs> but, like, 
he's come in and and it's interesting like to see this offense kind of spread out a little bit more. I, again, don't know that he's the play caller, but he is what through five years removed from playing, and now he's the offensive coordinator at his school that he played at. So he clearly has got a good grasp of offensive football. Um, and he's doing clearly a really good job, at least coordinating and preparing the offense, whether, again, he calls the uh, calls the plays on Saturday, unsure at this point. But um, that appears to have been a really positive change for them and that offense. Yeah, look, I was willing to, to see this praise on him now because previously I would have thought it's Adrian Martinez. He came in, he's been the X factor. He, he was the one who lit it a lot. But he hasn't played the last two games. He's been uh, no. injured. So you, you you then turn and go, well, shit, this is the offensive coordinator. has got these guys humming here and, and they're doing all right. So I think that's a, a fair shout. The other thing here is this is a very senior-laden group. They, they were very experienced going into this year and they've been able to capitalise on that. So it's good for a program like Kansas State because they're, they're kind of similar to Oklahoma State in that they go through the cycles and, and this is a good one for them and, and they're looking like a dangerous team. They'd just be ruining that loss to Tulane. Yeah, good, good uh, Tulane team. Good Tulane team, number nineteen in the country, I think, at the moment. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State. Let's jump across to the Big Ten. Uh, was tight-ish into the second half, and then things got away from Penn State a fraction late in the game. Um, there was like a pick six and a couple of turnovers, uh, and then a couple of quick strikes later in the game. So. I think the score flattered Ohio State a fraction, um, particularly you know within that last kind of five or six minutes when the game was still in the balance. But then, yeah, again, you get you get those plays. So um, I don't know. There's there's kind of kind of a couple of mixed reviews coming out in the media around this Ohio State team, and are they overrated? And you know, they finally play a team that's maybe got a bit of a pulse in Penn State. You know, they're ranked in the in the top fifteen and. And they didn't really show up until the very end. And should they be considered up there this year in that top kind of upper echelon, particularly because they came into the season as being a, a national championship contender, potentially even favourite, and they possibly haven't delivered on that considering their schedule so far up until this point. And then the one game they do get that resembles competition, they didn't exactly light the world on fire. But I don't exactly know what people want to see or need to see but what are your thoughts on kind of that take that maybe Ohio State are a fraction overrated at this point no I don't think that's the case at all I think Penn State are a decent football program you, like going into Beaver Stadium is not an easy out for anyone to do it yes they played it at noon but it's still a hundred thousand mad fans in there for their shot at what is looking like the the big bad beast in the Big Ten like, yes, this game was tight going into the third quarter, two points in it. But what, what I loved, my, my love for this game is that Ohio State offense is still the most dangerous in, in the land comfortably. Like, people talk Tennessee, yeah, yeah, I, I give them their credit. Really? I'm, I'm taking Ohio State every day of the week, absolutely. They showed what they can do in that last quarter there. They, they, they flick the button, they can make it work. I'm backing them in. CJ Stroud, I have all the confidence in the world in that dude. Like He wasn't putting up massive numbers, but he was still very good in this game. He, he's, he's an elite player, I think. He's the, the best player in all of college football. 
Uh, this Can year. I just? I'm just going to parlay that statement around CJ Stroud into the thing that I loved as well because I think that kind of ties in a little bit. And that's Ryan Day staying aggressive at the end of the game. They're up by six, but but like you said, he looks good, and not only good, he looks confident this year. And Ryan Day put the ball in the hands of his quarterback and said, "Go win the game." So go and hit those second and longs, third and longs. We're gonna we're gonna hit that first down. We're not just going to run the ball three times and punt you are going to go and win this game. And they had that four-minute offense, um, scored a touchdown, and then you get the pick six on the back of that. And then they kind of just work, uh, you know, just end the game uh, really looking like they're in control. But the reality is, is it came down to the confidence of CJ Stroud, the quality of player that he is, and the fact that Ryan Day's got supreme confidence in him. So I, I tend to agree with you on certainly his ability, but the cohesiveness and the the relationship clearly between the, the man calling the plays and the trigger guy in CJ Stroud is very, very strong. And that goes a long way to having success through towards the playoffs. Yes. And, and this has all been done without the star man that we expected to be lighting it up this year for him in Jackson Smith and Jigba. He, he's been a non-factor so yeah. far. To, to this season Marvin Harrison Jr. has been amazing and was again in this game Travion Henderson is, is still a freak out of the backfield like these guys are incredible uh, I think they're supported well by a good defense and I think if anything there's probably been a bit of disrespect for that Penn State unit for those that are saying oh they only just got across here like you put any team in the SEC into Beaver Stadium on the road against this Penn State team it, it's going to be a tough out I just I'm I'm out like I've never been a James Franklin guy for one. I'm not saying they're a great football team, but I'm saying it's a dangerous matchup for anyone to take on. Maybe I think they're on their day. They could be they could be so much. They've got talent, but they're poorly coached. Like I don't I just don't love James Franklin as a coach. I know Manny Diaz on defense. Obviously, I'm coming from a a certain lens when it comes to the Manny Diaz experience as a defensive coordinator. The thing that I didn't like, and this to me comes down to the coaching as well, is the T formation. I don't know if you saw that, but it was like a 1940s throwback. Penn State on any third and fourth and short, they were running a T formation and just getting... like They actually scored a touchdown on one of them, but on another fourth and one, they got absolutely destroyed on the interior. Um, you can't condense formations like that in this day and age um, with the rules that you've got to be able to pass the ball and the fact that, you know, cutting and, you know, blocking back and all that kind of stuff that you can't do anymore. Uh, it just, I don't know why you would condense that formation. Like, like it just, it was so weird. Um, and it doesn't seem like it's done, like... If Saban did it or Bill Belichick in the NFL, people would be like, oh, wow, that's a really interesting like throwback, history throwback, and they'd find it really intriguing and interesting. But when James Franklin does it, it's like, you are reaching, dude. You are trying to find something when you actually don't have an answer. And I just, I didn't rate it. I don't, I still think they're poorly coached. Talented, yes. Coaching, not there. And that's why they'll continue to be good but they're a long way off being relevant as a Big Ten title contender for me. Oh, we're, we're kind of seeing that. At some point, you've got to look at it and go, how how long do you give this guy? Because he's been there a while now. He, there There is talent, but it doesn't feel like they've been in a position that Tennessee's in now that 
that a number of these other programs are kind of flirting with, they haven't been around. They've been good, but they're not a genuine contender for the playoff. Feels like a bit like the Dan Mullen experience at Florida. I know yeah. they're not they're not the same coaches, but like James Franklin and he has been there for a lot longer than Mullen was at Florida. In terms of there's a lot of things that are different about them, but in terms of their ceiling as coaches, it felt like Dan Mullen was going to get you to a nine or ten win season just by default at Florida, but he was never going to take that next step. James Franklin certainly something similar. The Ohio State versus Penn State experience has been pretty one-sided in his time there, um, outside of Trace McSorley and um, Saquon Barkley and uh, you know a few others like really getting things done anyway let's move on i don't have too many other games kentucky and tennessee i didn't even bother with this one because this was a blowout people were expecting this one to be close i know you were like oh this could be it would it was never gonna be it wasn't will Levis got shut down completely he went what under 150 yards passing uh turned the ball over three times tennessee's defense was really really good and if you're going to turn the ball over three times against this Tennessee offensive given short fields it's almost a guarantee at what, like best case scenario if you're going to turn the ball over and give short fields best case scenario you're down nine nothing if you turn it over three times that's the best case scenario it's probably looking more like 20 to 21 off off of those turnovers so like don't fucking turn the ball over they did and it was they were never in with the yelp Yes, my hate for this game was that you were bang on. Like, it was a snooze fest. And yeah. the knock on Tennessee so far this year has been their defense. Everyone's saying their offense is elite, and Hendon Hooker is putting up those numbers to support that. So, yeah, I can agree with that. But the metrics are showing that their defense is, uh, like, outside of the top 100 in a number of o- key areas. Overblown. I think if you have a look at yards per play, like, depending on the metric you use, yes. Yeah, they're giving up a lot of yards passing. You know, over 300 yards. People are saying that. Over 300 yards passing. It's like, yeah, no shit. They're running a lot of plays. It's exactly right. It's a high play quickly. rate. It, like it's, yeah, it's a high play rate. Look at the yards it, per play. And they're, don't get me the wrong, big, they're not good. It's the old but Big 12 like, knock, right? Yeah, or, yeah. Like we run twice or like 50% more plays and, oh, your defense is shit because you're giving up a lot of yards. It's like, yeah, but we're scoring 50 each week. Like yeah, yeah. You've got a That's the play philosophy drives. you live in. That's going to happen <laughs> sometimes. But if you if you believe in that system and that's what your coach wants, then, yeah, you're going to give up some yards, you're going to give up some plays, you're going to give up some points. But at the end of the day, 8-0 and zero is pretty damning um, in terms of a result. Absolutely. And I think they've, they've gained a bit more credibility on that front against this uh, Kentucky team and, and how dominant they were and, and being able to shut that out. And that's been shown by the fact that they've come in at number one in our first playoff ranking. Do you want to touch on that? I know you love a ranking. I was going to put this in the my you know Kemp's ranking for for week number actually we will do that we'll put that in Kemp ranking we're gonna do that after the punters though so we'll have a chat about the initial playoff poll but please do grace us with the skills of the Australian punter Oh, look, before we jump into that, there's one game that I wanted to touch on that I thought was actually really good. Oh, fuck, I thought that transition was really good. Yeah, I know, but really I'm good. not allowing you to You're skip to over. Out now. You've got a lot of production stuff to do. The Cincinnati UCF stuff that we had here. Oh, please, let's get to this faster. Talk to me. Well, I, I think you've been a bit flippant, and it's a bit unfair because <laughs> I thought this was the best game of the week. Uh, with these two programs, I, I said it was going to be a good one going into it, and it lived up to the billing. 
and we often are let down in that front, but UCF out to a good start. Uh, Cincinnati able to claw it back. It was tight, three-quarter time, 13-12, and then a couple of uh, changes of lead in the last quarter, inside the last five minutes, really, Uh, and we had big 17-yard run by their uh, running back there, RJ Harvey at UCF, to get it done with less than a minute. Like, it, it was fantastic, and the atmosphere was pumping. A couple of programs that we welcome into the Big 12 with open arms. Oh, that's what this is all about. <laughs> now we see what this is all about, actually, don't we? Maybe, oh, maybe. God. All right, can we get to these punters? Because they're important. They're people Less. too. More Absolutely, let's do it. So I, I've got three of our Aussie punters that I want to pump up this week, and one is just on repeat. Maybe we just need to kind of rename the segment after him, or just kind of have a, a default. We could do that. You know who I'm talking about here? Uh, who who have we been pumping at, them up? Your boy at Rutgers. Our boy at Rutgers, Adam Corsack again, and and this is this is his showcase uh, on the year so far as well. He was fantastic in their matchup against Minnesota. Yes, they were disappointing. They lost thirty-one nothing, but that had nothing to do with our man. He had five punts, averaged over fifty yards on those punts. Not only was he averaging over fifty yards, he only had one returned, so he had a net over 50 yards too because that one return went for zero yards like the, the dude's just on fire get around him he's insane uh, we're around him we uh, are around him I think he's got to be a front runner for the Ray Guy at this stage and he continues to put up great great performances uh, on from that we had Nick Constantino at A&M had another really good game uh, he's having a strong year himself 5 yards average of 43.6 only the one return for the one yard really good effort from him and then one bloke who I want to mention because he was fantastic last week uh, in their loss to LSU this week big numbers in their loss to Georgia and that's Jeremy Crawshaw at Florida uh, he had busy day, six punts, and averaged over 46 yards on those punts there. He's having himself a really strong year. Unfortunately for him, this was the first game that he's given up return yards. Uh, so he gave up seven return yards, which is disappointing. But outside of that, he's been incredible. Cool. There we go. All right, rankings. Let's get to the college football rankings. They do differ pretty considerably from the AP poll, which I think is somewhat interesting. Um, tell me where you want to start, but Tennessee 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, Clemson 4. I don't believe in this Clemson team, so I find them interesting as a, as a first team uh, or the last team in. Yes, they're undefeated, but I'd probably take an 8-0 Michigan team um, ahead of Clemson at the moment. Do you have any issues with the top four at this stage? Uh, look, yeah, I think Tennessee's been kind of parachuted in there. I, I still, like, yes, good good victory on the weekend against Kentucky. Is Are we going to look back and think that is that fantastic at the end of the year? I'm not sure. They've got the Alabama win. I'll give them that, but that was very okay, tight. Like, I prefer Georgia's... They've been five-ranked teams this year now. They've been five-ranked teams. Yeah, but that's SEC bias, those rankings. That, that, well, so, so they play in the, the SEC. The SEC bias we'll also exists in the college football rankings as well. So yeah, Well, I mean, like, I, I guess for mine, give me Georgia's win over Oregon. 
uh, and and that Ooh. has only franked. You, like we, uh, Oregon are now uh, uh, seven and one, are looking long, really uh, good since then. Yeah, they, okay, but week one and it was effectively a Georgia home game, and they beat Oregon the shit out. Of them. Tr- yeah, I I don't disagree with that on any level. All I'm saying is you've got Oregon new coach. Neutral, um, neutral field, like it wasn't you, a neutral you, you, field, dude. Tennessee it was in like, clawed it was in over like, the line against an Alabama team at home. It was in the suburb the, next to Athens. They're going to get shown out this week. Uh, it's it's going to be embarrassing for them. We're going to look at this and think, shit, we shouldn't have had them at one. That was a bad call. Georgia or Ohio State, one of those two. There, I'm good with it. Uh, I think you're a bit harsh on Clemson. I think they're a good football program. I think they're showing that. They're putting in consistent performances. I think this week Are they, is... though? Consistent performances? Yeah, consistently winning. Oh, I don't know. When you've got a bench you're starting quarterback for inconsistent performance, He's I don't know patchy. if that... He's patchy. Outside of and, that, and, strong but defense. If a quarter, but if a quarterback is patchy, then your you're at team risk. is patchy. You're at, you're at risk of getting got. Don't get me wrong. And, and I think they're in a different class amongst these. I mean, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd probably elevate that Alabama team up above these guys. Like, I'm, I've got no issue with them being ranked down below at the moment because they have that loss. But if I'm looking at the best teams at the moment, I think it is still Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. You've got to put Tennessee in that conversation now too, absolutely. Uh, Michigan, maybe, yeah, I, I, I could see that. And then, I haven't done anything wrong. They, ha- they certainly haven't done anything wrong. Michigan and Clemson for me, though, in, in that second tier. And then I'll inject TCU in there, but that's just because I like <laughs> so, the Big There's 12. a couple of things. It feels like, A, Tennessee's the shiny new toy, so they get a little bit of extra attention. Yes. B, TCU are just kind of like... When you, you know, sometimes you just end up in like a club situation, a VIP situation. You're not really sure how you got there and you're just staring around at all these. I mean, for us, they're not really B grade celebrities. We don't really hang out with anyone like that. But like you're standing I've, around going, like, this is fucking. I've got this have- exact story, mate. And when, when I was in Vegas, uh, I may <laughs> have visited one of the clubs that, that play our uh, intro music. Uh, okay, and, and I yes. went in there, right? So I was in there with my buddy and there's yeah. kind of like someone at the door who takes you to a table and we didn't realize mm-hmm. we just kind of scooted on past, you know, we've, we've been to a couple of these types of clubs before and we just kind of went on past and went down onto the main state, well, the main area and then there was a booth and it was empty. Uh, so we, we, we sat down in there and there are a couple of drinks Good. on the table and then before we knew it, we had a number of uh, girls around us and they were like, oh, you know, can I help myself to your drinks on the table? And we were like, fucking not mine. I don't care. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so they're pouring themselves these drinks. And then we're having a great time chatting to them. Very, very friendly. I must say they were very oh, friendly. Of course. And then I uh, think they, they really enjoyed your personalities. And must wit. have been. I think that's must have been. I think Or it could have been the, the pinstripe shirt I was wearing back then too. I, I still remember it. <laughs> I shudder to think now, but fucking that was me. Um, and so then eventually someone comes over and is like, Hey guys, like to continue to have the booth, you need to buy another, uh, bottle, uh, for, for here. And I'm like, Oh, another one. Okay. Uh, let me just have a look, bring up the menu. The cheapest bottle that they had on there was like three grand. I'm like, Ooh, (laughs) 
Okay. Um, I'm just going to We get up are just going to head outside. And get <laughs> exactly. Exactly what happened. So that's, we were so teasing you in that situation. Absolutely. That is teasing you. <laughs> that's good gear. Um, and then you've got a whole bunch of Pac-12 love in there as well. Um, you've got Oregon, USC, UCLA in the mitts, in the mix there, in the middle. LSU, Ole Miss, nothing of this really means too much to me at the moment. I don't really care for this middle group. What we do know is that if you are planning to make the playoff, that you really need to be coming from the top 10, uh, top, sorry, top 15. So anybody below Penn State, so I'm talking Illinois, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Tulane, Syracuse, Wake, you are effectively out of the running based on previous experience and, and prior years with the college football playoff. You need to be in that top group um, to elevate because there's just not enough losses to go around to be able to leapfrog all these teams throughout the rest of the year. Like right now, it's nine and up are the only ones that can make it in, in my eyes. There's no way. LSU can. No LSU way. Can. They have two losses already. There is no chance. If, yeah, they but if they run the table. They run the table, they'll be the first two loss program to make it in. Okay, so they run the table, they beat Alabama. And they be win the SEC. You are not there. They will not get left out. You're probably right, but it, that ain't happening. I'm saying it's not I mean, enough yeah, at this okay. stage, mate. This is where the hypothetical game plays, but I don't. I don't rule them out at this stage. Old Miss as well. Like if they run the table from here, I th- like they're in. Uh, again, are these scenarios likely? No, not at all. But to rule them out now and say that isn't going to happen. I'm doing we, it. We're just I'm putting a line through them. Done. Okay, so here's one for you. Georgia or Tennessee, doesn't really matter, both both in the SEC East. One of them goes undefeated until the SEC Championship game. LSU goes undefeated. So you've got a, what would be, uh, I can't do the math on that, 11-0? and 0? No, 10-0? Uh, Whatever it is, 10-0? 11, 11 and 0 and then 12's championship I think no, yeah no no no, no 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 10 and 0 because then you've got your oh no yeah sorry my bad um, so they run the table and they're 11 and 0 is that what we said yes <laughs> I don't remember now. 11 and 0 LSU run the table and they're at 9 and 2 and then LSU win the SEC Championship game. Well, so whoever wins the SEC Championship is in. What I'm saying is they, they it can't happen. It won't happen. And it's... Yeah. it's I uh, guess like a one-loss one Georgia, one-loss Tennessee is going in anyway. Yes. Regardless. Yeah, okay. Um, I was just thinking like that whole LSU sitch. Uh, all right. Let's not get buried in the hypotheticals. Um, any other people that you would like to see ranked? I like that Oregon State are ranked at 23. Um, I think that's cute. Um, I Beebs in there. don't know why they have playoff rankings down to 25. Because, mate, it's college football. That's the way it's always been done. So that's I think it makes sense we when we expand to a 16-team playoff if we ever get to that. But at, at the moment, it's it, it's silly, right? Give me the top 10. Because, there's, because the AP poll's always been 25. The coaches' poll's always been 25. And we wouldn't want to do something different. Anyways, let's go. Moving on, we're yeah. dragging here. Okay. Oh, yeah, we are. All right, let's get to week number 10 and our previews in that space. So a lot of big games to get to 
I've really only got four. I don't know what you want to hit. I ended up with three. Like you're talking about all like a lot of really big games. There's a really big game. So yeah, and sorry, what I I feel like there's three genuine blockbusters, and not on this. Like I don't think any of last week's were blockbusters. I know people will say Ohio State, Penn State was shaping up that way. It wasn't. Let's not pretend like it was. I think the three games this week and the three games we're talking about: Tennessee, Georgia. You've got one v two. So giddy I'll up. Out. I'll pay it. <laughs> you've got Clemson, Notre Dame, which some people are probably going to argue but i think for posterity's sake i think that still holds value i'm not, and then I'm, the Alabama, I'm not giving it i'm not giving it blockbuster rating but i'm like it's a level down from that it's it's a big game i've it's, got at least yeah it's not maybe not blockbuster game in the sp- scope of this season but it's certainly blockbuster game in terms of viewership i know that doesn't that's not what we really are going to talk about but in terms of like a couple of football programs that have got big followings and, and meaningful games. This is probably one of those. And then, of course, Alabama LSU, which is steeped in a whole bunch of um, classic rivalry situations. So they're probably the three. But the star power, and we're going to start here, is the Tennessee-Georgia game. This is the game day, ESPN game day. What does that mean? I don't know. I, I like to know that game day goes somewhere, and that excites me. I, don't, I never watch it. I've never dialed into what happens on game day, but I do enjoy the process of selecting a game and going visiting somewhere. And it's I good think, viewing. It's good viewing. Yeah, I, I I didn't mind watching it when we were over in the states. We'd flick it on early in the in the day if that was appropriate. And get over our hangover. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I just I just you know I don't need to watch it. I I just liked the the campus feel and they anyway. Let's not get lost in an analysis of game day showing tennessee and georgia yeah let's stop fucking around two very culturally different teams to me in this one you've got one carved out of the sec mold of defense a good running game and then they've added an extra more modern element in the explosive plays downfield and it's you know run to set up the pass which is of course your georgia bulldogs the other you've got up tempo spread empty the box um simple route adjustments and you know route trees as well for those wide receivers a quarterback that can move and get freaky outside of the pocket and then you've got a defense that wants to get aggressive make plays behind the line of scrimmage and a little bit feast or famine the concern for me and i'm going to throw to you here in a sec well i'm going to set you up with something but the concern for me has always been the ability for spread teams to match up against stout defenses especially with the limitations um, of an up-tempo team and without going into the depths of the structure of up-tempo teams they just don't have the variation variability and um, differences in their play calling they can't the faster you go the less plays you can carry so Tennessee is going to go fast. They don't have a broad range of stuff that they can necessarily go to. And what we've seen in the past is teams in this spread world get out-schemed pretty quickly. The windows become tighter. They can't hit the big players often. Now, whilst this isn't your 2009 Ducks versus the SEC, it is different. Um, where, the, where in that game, the only reason the Ducks were in those games was because of the spread offense. Now, Tennessee do have the talent to go along with the scheme. But... Can they do it against the might of Georgia on the road between the hedges, or are we going to hear that goddamn bell ringing all the way from Athens, Georgia? 
Oh, well, absolutely we are. Georgia are going to do this and they're going to do it very convincingly. I, I have a lot of faith in the, <laughs> them. And like part of this for me is, yes, absolutely on that defense. I think people are overlooking this Georgia defense. They're giving up 10 points a, a game again this year. 10.8, so maybe 11. We could round it up there. I'm not, I'm not willing to. Uh, <laughs> It doesn't help yeah. my argument. The, the Georgia defense is awesome, and everyone kind of knows that, and it goes without saying. But what we don't talk enough about is Georgia's offense is pretty fucking good too this year. Like, this is not last year or a few years back where Georgia would grind it out and they're going to score 21 points and they win because you're not going to score 21. Now, they're averaging over 40 points a game. They're looking good. Stetson Bennett has taken his game truly to another level from where he's at. He's not a game manager. The dude's a player. He's got experience. He's got some weapons, especially at that tight end position. We, we kind of know it. And we, we just have this narrative in our head that they're a defensive team and they're not explosive and they're not able to make some, some big plays and they're just going to try and run the ball and be old school SEC. I don't think they're that. And I think they're going to be able to exploit that against this Tennessee defense. I, I like that you said kind of feast or famine and, and they had a big week last week with what we saw against that Kentucky team. But this is a different ball game. And especially the fact that this one is on the road for them, it, it takes out that that massive element that uh, Tennessee have at the moment. They've got momentum. They are this upstart team that the fan base that has been craving for it for so long are leaning in. And I did hear a rumor that their boosters had bought all of the tickets that were available that they could to and given them to free uh, for, for free to Tennessee fans to say like we it. want to make this feel like a Tennessee home game for them which is like it's a not gonna. it's not that's, gonna <laughs> it's a great move though like a, it's a yeah. fucking it's a good move like we got heaps of money how can we support the program let's just buy out their stadium like fucking <laughs> rate that um, but I, I think in reality it doesn't work out for them I think it's going to be tough like I've been knocking on Tennessee uh, all year and, and it probably feels like that for all of the supporters yes. Uh, yes, it does. out there and eventually I'm going to be right so I'm going to continue on hammering that point home. And, and of all the weeks that I have the most confidence in that being right, it is this one. This Georgia team is what I have faith in. I'm going to push back a little bit on a couple of things. Not severely. I don't think that... Georgia have seen anything in terms of offensive firepower like this. And I also don't think Georgia's defense, and I'm talking across the last two years, and I don't think Georgia's defense is, don't get me wrong, still fantastic, but they're not last year's defense because last year's defense was probably the best defense I've ever seen and I'm ever likely to see. Like they were fucking crazy good. So And that's no knock on this year's defense. It's just the fact that that group was so, so fantastic. I think the other thing is, yes, they can make explosive plays in terms of Georgia. They are able to, to get that out of Stetson Bennett. However, I think there's this idea that if you're a running team that you're not explosive. And that's certainly not what I'm trying to portray here. They, they, are, they have the ability to be explosive. But let's not pretend like it's from a scheme issue or a scheme-created explosiveness like it is from Tennessee. It's not that. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, um, look at that touchdown from Brock Bowers on the weekend against Florida. He had a one-on-one -on -one situation on the outside, a ball that was tipped. The DB got his hands on it, and he just, 
the ball fell in his lap and he scored a 70-yard touchdown. That happens when you run the ball, force defenses to load the box, then you get one-on-one matchups. And that's what they're doing. They're not creating, they're not doing anything crazy. They're just putting their biggest and best athletes in a situation where they increase the chance of success. Tennessee don't, they're kind of a bit of a, uh, the alternative to that in terms of they're going to scheme guys open. They're going to run a route combination that's going to get dudes out. They're going to spread that field. They're going to have those receivers start outside the numbers. They're going to run switch routes and they're going to run those long dig plays and then they can run the ball off of that. So I think those, like these, like Tennessee aren't the typical spread that we saw 10 years ago and Georgia aren't the typical SEC pound and pound that we saw 10 years ago. So those two things are slightly different. What I do want to finish on here is this is a Heisman moment for both quarterbacks. Whoever comes away from this game, I think Stetson Bennett's got a chance to get invited despite the fact that he doesn't hold maybe the reputation, explosive running ability of some of these other guys. I'm not going to list them all. And then you've got Hendon Hooker who has quickly shot up draft boards and he can make himself a few million dollars in this particular game if he shows that he can deliver the goods. Yeah, it's a great call. I think you've had a few good ones this episode, which is unlike you, but it is very much a Heisman moment. Whoever wins yeah. this one, and, and if they can put together a, a big moment, a big drive, a, a big performance throughout this, it'll put them in the box seat. And if and if, if as a quarterback, Hendon Hooker can do it against this defense, you've got to believe that he can do it at an NFL level at some yeah. stage. One last note on this, Nolan Smith, the All-American um, rush end for Georgia is out for the rest of the season, torn pectoral muscle, and that creates, that sounds like not a good one as well, doesn't it? Imagine sweeping that one. I am you like, don't have any? So. You're exactly right. My chest kind of goes in where, <laughs> where, where a normal blokes would have like some form of definition. I'm the opposite. And then he has like... He's like I, on top yeah, of a level I, I don't think it's something I've, I have to worry about, but I could only imagine <laughs> it would be painful. Um, and not, yeah, not one that got, like you hear about it a bit in the NFL, like dudes highly strung across the chest area and just ping, away it goes. We do hamstrings, they do chest. Anyway, um, this creates problems and... I love Robert Beal on the outside as well. I think he's a jet for Georgia, but he now has to have his the best game of his career from a pass rushing standpoint. If you can keep Hendon Hooker contained in the pocket, force Tennessee into a lot of quick game and or get quick pressure, I think you that offense can fall apart pretty quickly. However, if you allow him outside the pocket, if you can't get pressure on him and you let these longer plays develop, he will do damage, and we've seen it because um, we've seen Hyatt put up five touchdowns again against Alabama. So that can happen. You're going to have to get pressure on the dude and keep him in the pocket. Yes, sir. All right, where are we going next? Yeah, we've done a lot there, but I also disagree. I think eight and a half points, by the way. I just want to... Are you going to pick this on the punt? No, I am not. Okay, so eight and a half points feels large to me. Don't you reckon? Uh, I, I think, I think half, that's about I like, right. I think that's about right. Yeah, interesting. I thought that felt largish for a team that can put up points. It's enough to scare me off. Yeah, I was like, ooh, don't love it. Um, but yeah, it just felt like a lot to me. All right, let's go Alabama, LSU. 
Um, obviously, we've already mentioned Bama dropped the game to Tennessee earlier in the year. No room for error for them anymore as they head to Baton Rouge to take on um, the the boys from LSU. I nearly said the, the Bayou Bengals there, but I went a bit of a different direction. Um, feels like LSU is starting to work out some of the kinks. New coach, Brian Kelly, comes in. They had that loss to Florida State out the gate. It felt sloppy early, and we kind of mentioned in the preview of the season that it takes time for coaches to, to make those adjustments and feel their players and players to get them. And that feels like that's kind of starting to happen a little bit for LSU. They feel like they're on the right track again. Um, so hopefully it's settled down the restless natives down there. They're currently equal top in the SEC West at 4-1 and one with Alabama. So this game has a lot of implications. Firstly, SEC West um, box seat up for grabs. Secondly, Alabama to me, like you said earlier, I think LSU is probably out of the race. But Alabama, if they drop this game, their playoff chances almost go down in flames with it. You can't drop two games, I wouldn't have thought, and then still be looking to make it through. You're kind of relying on results at that point. Yeah. Um, but I, what are your thoughts are. on we, this game? Well, we, have, we haven't seen a two-loss team get in yet. I think if it's two-loss SEC champ, that's the time we will see it. So I think whilst that door's all still open, there is a, there is a chance for them. But you, you're dead set right. There's a lot resting on this game for Alabama and historically th these have been fantastic matchups uh, two of the power programs in all of college football going head to head here Alabama two touchdown favorites in this one and I think that feels about right they, they, I feel like they've been the better team on the year but LSU have certainly shown more progression as the years got on. Alabama started well and have been good. And, and besides that one slight blemish against a really good Tennessee team, you, you, you can't... Say that you, again. You can't really knock them. Uh, not excellent, really good. <laughs> Where LSU, on the other hand, as you mentioned, they had the Florida State upset. They got spanked by Tennessee, uh, but they had <laughs> they a, a, a really good win at home against Ole Miss. Uh, they, they've had... They Florida. They, they've beaten Florida. They've had some time off in the lead-up to this one. So... And you and I have experienced Baton Rouge, and and I feel like when we were there, like everyone was talking about the Alabama game. Like we had a game on deck against, I think it was Ole Miss was one that we went there. Is that right? It was heaps wasted, mate. I couldn't yeah. tell. <laughs> Wait, which one was LSU? That's when we got our way into the. Speaking of places we shouldn't have ended up. Yes. That's yes, when we that. ended up in the in the box, didn't it? We were, yes. Very much Drinking so. Crown Seven or whatever. We yes, were sir. Drinking. Yes, sir. Whatever we were making <laughs> ourselves at the uh the the all you can serve yourself bar there. So uh we, we had a good time. <laughs> but this LSU team is certainly like oh this, sorry the environment is is going to be massive because everyone there has this game marked in the calendar. This is the one where they're they're all getting in the RVs and even if you don't have tickets to it, you you're bringing your pet alligator along and really getting uh -huh. excited for this one. And sh shit's going to get weird. I just oh, I don't have the faith in the cattle that they've got compared to the talent that we've seen from Alabama. Like, you give me Bryce Young and you give me Jaden Daniels. Like, I love Jaden Daniels. He, he, he yeah, was yeah. fantastic at Arizona State, but he is not the same level of athlete or quarterback that Bryce Young is. There's, there's just that trust element, and I know this is such a random thing for a fan to say because we're not obviously intimately involved with the, the players, but certainly in any kind of sport and any kind of coaching environment, 
you want to know that when you put your players in a situation that you can trust them to deliver on that or they're completely fucking enigmatic you've got no idea what they're going to do and sometimes they'll put up 400 yards rushing and 300 yards passing and score seven touchdowns and the other time they'll turn the ball over 800 times you kind of either go one one of two ways but Jaden Daniels my point about this is I don't fully trust him he's been a solid addition don't get me wrong he's their number one passer I think more negatively he's their number one runner he's got the most rushing yards for lsu at the moment this year and to me that's not um i know nick saban teams have had issues with mobile quarterbacks in the past alabama so cert- johnny Manziel. yeah yep. so there's certainly something to lean into there um but to me this just feels right for one of those bama kind of anaconda like constriction games where it feels close at the half and you know maybe it's like i don't know 13 10 or something to alabama and and you know lsu have had a couple of opportunities they just didn't quite make the most of it and then the second half comes out and all of a sudden it's halfway through the fourth quarter lsu have put up 45 yards for the second half and have hit two first downs and you're like this game doesn't feel particularly close. The scoreboard might be close, but, you know, Alabama just get that, you know, that big, those tentacles wrapped around you and you just cannot, a lot of animal metaphors here, but um, you just can't move and you get shut down completely and there's no answers on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I'm going to root for LSU because I think it, possibly puts a fork in Alabama's playoff season and I'm not doing it solely for that reason but I you know that I want to see change at the top and constantly having Alabama in the playoff is not fun for anybody so if we can get Tennessee if we can get Clemson Ohio State and Georgia who have never been there before then um, you know it it adds a different element but I think if Alabama win then we we see what we see every year and that is a, a lost mid-season and then they roll through and make the playoff anyway. Your uh, red-hot night is continuing, mate, because the, the whole Anaconda piece and what Alabama are, are going to do in this game, it just feels like that's bang on. Like, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think you've been spot on tonight. Whatever beer you've poured yourself there, <laughs> just get back to the bottle. It wasn't a fucking more. Burnley Bruin. was this, not a Burnley Bruin. This has been good gear from you tonight. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, we've got one more to hit then. Um, maybe a couple, but we'll see. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame. So we head up to Illinois. Illinois? Illinois. Golden Domers. Uh, Clemson, favourites in this one? Indiana. You're still questioning that. Is it Notre Dame in Indiana? Indiana. I don't know. I feel like we should know this. But yeah. South Bend. Anyway, it's <laughs> definitely South Bend, Indiana. Um, South Bend, Indiana. Uh, I, I, I pump you up, and then yeah. the wheels immediately, <laughs> immediately fucking just fall to the wayside. Jesus. We're not born and bred. Um, my question around this, I suppose, is have the Fighting Irish put the disaster of a season behind them? Um, and Because it, it got off, obviously, to a really tough start. Um, the worst start in a head coach's football career from a Marcus Freeman perspective at Notre Dame. I think Drew Pine has injected some life into the offense and that, like the bar was low on that front. 
but still a lot of issues moving the ball in a positive direction. Can't make a big play either in the pass game or the run game. You're going to see a lot of heavy formations, a lot of tight ends, a lot of backs for the Irish again. This isn't anything new. And the more I look at this, I don't think this matches up well for Notre Dame. The secondary has been average this season, uh, and Clemson should be able to get some wins in the pass game on the outside. I just... It feels like if you run a inept, stodgy offense, that your margins are so, so thin, except for Michigan. They're about the only ones that are still running that true ground and pound that are a little bit more one-dimensional, but getting away with it and controlling games. Everybody else has got a more explosive element to their offense. Notre Dame certainly doesn't have that. Clemson does, and that's why I lean Tigers in this game. I am looking forward to seeing if these quarterbacks are actually any good, though. We saw DJU first time out against the Irish in his first start ever. Fantastic effort by him, over 300 yards, a lot of touchdowns. Put the ball up for grabs a little bit, but was um, awesome in that game. And then Drew Pine, is he actually any good, or are they going to have to move on from him next year as well? So I think whilst we're going to see some good quarterback play across the day, particularly in that Tennessee-Georgia one, we're hopefully it feels like in this one it could be the battle of who fucks up the least is going to win in this particular contest i think that's a bit harsh on clemson i 100 percent support that comment from the notre dame side of things because they have been all over the shop we are talking about a team that's three weeks removed from a loss to stanford who are not a good fucking football program so, so that's not good but then around that they've got a good win last week uh, against Syracuse on the road. Carrier Dome, upstart Syracuse team. Like, yeah, you can see them beating that. But Syracuse is pretty good this year. And, and, and that's not an easy place to play. They did well in that one. They beat UNC. That, that win has looked better and better the more UNC have got going. So you look at those ones. And then you look at some of the other performances they've had against the Stanford early on in the season when they were, they were dropping all the games. And you go, hmm... Do I have any confidence that these guys are going to be able to shape up and give their best against the Clemson? Because I think it's going to take their best. Yes, they're at home, but I think they absolutely have to play right up towards their cap to make this a game and, and for them to to be contending here, where I think Clemson have a little bit more give in what they can put out and still pull away. Um, and, and it's just based on the fact that they have a well-established run game and, and guy in Will Shipley who mm. they can lean on. He's dynamic. He's reliable he's for them. Of me. Remiss of me to mention him. He was, he's been really good this year. Uh, he, he's a chain mover and he's a white guy running the football, which is crazy because you just don't <laughs> see a lot of it. <laughs> and, and, and he's having great success there. So, I mean, Clemson, three and a half point. Uh, favorites in this one on the road that again is enough where I'm like yeah I, I, I'm probably not going to touch it I think Clemson win but could it be close enough could they keep it within a uh, field goal absolutely so Clemson for me I, I think it's a big game but uh, yeah it's it's not not nationally well I suppose it is nationally relevant if I mean Notre if Clemson Dame can go down off. and yeah. Notre Dame have got one of the biggest supporter bases in the country so I mean, it is considered pretty big, I would have thought. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The natives in South Bend, Indiana, slash Illinois will be... I know there's a lot of fans in Illinois of uh, Notre Dame fighting. <laughs> that, is that Irish what tripped you up? Yeah. Another, another Midwest. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about the uh, 
I do keep in touch with the Illinois Notre Dame alumni and supporter group. The association. Limited, uh, yeah, right. Association. And yeah, we, we chat every now and again. You're um, on the uh, message Yeah, Beryl's boards. lovely. She sends me like a little shamrock cookie yeah, every Bez. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah no it's, doubt. It's great. It's actually, yeah. She's lovely. She said, oh, you should come up and see the Golden Dome one day. And I was like, yes, Beryl, I would love that. Me and Ruth The two of us can drive like three states over to go visit her. fuck you (laughs) alright Big 12 very quickly Texas K-State have you got anything on that game that you want to discuss I think it will be closer than what the results should suggest I mean Oklahoma State 48 nothing well no Oklahoma yeah well if anything it should be more right because Oklahoma State sandwiched between those two teams they beat Texas and then they've gone and just had it reamed where I I don't expect uh, a replay of that I think Texas actually probably get the best of them in this one I just got a bit of a feeling about that Uh, but I'm not with enough confidence to bet against it because Kansas State were legit last week and, yeah. and I think they deserve a bit of respect there but they've had trouble with Texas previously Texas have not been a strong program oh, newsflash over the last 10 years uh, but there, <laughs> there has been one program that they've been uh, having a lot of success over and that is this Kansas State team so I expect it to be a, a tightly fought affair uh, and, and even Texas to provide a bit of an upset here although yeah, I, don't I don't think it is I, an upset I think they're favourite yeah I don't, it feels like it's just a bit of a weird one like let down spot maybe but do you have a let down spot in a blowout like that I don't know like if if the sting comes out of it so I'm just you've got like two losses <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I, I it seems like one of those games that you check the score and see how you go it might be watchable it might not any other games that you want to hit this week before we move into punting life let's get to the fun stuff my friend oregon state washington i think we should talk beeves washington two six and two teams uh three and two in the pack 12 not really but probably not a bad game on your saturday afternoon if you're interested in that one um, and just very lastly ohio state play northwestern northwestern scored 30 Sorry, Iowa scored 33 points on Northwestern last year, last week. Iowa's offense fucking sucks. They're not good. They're not good. They put up 33 points on Northwestern. Ohio State could score 700. Just Maybe not 700, but 600s. Like <laughs> Seems appropriate. <laughs> um, and that is about it, I think, in terms of anything that is somewhat relevant. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 Mate, not good. Uh, I think we mentioned it off of the, the get-go. I've had a bit of a dent in the account, which has been building over the last few weeks. Not with the picks that I've been giving you, but uh, the Saturday picks on the punt have helped keep a nice, healthy account, and I've had to dip into it a bit. Uh, and this week, I only had the three winners across my eight picks, which is Ooh. below 50%, which is... Well done. Well done on the math. Very bad. 
from a return standpoint. What do you uh, need to make a positive? Like, say you make eight picks, do you multi them all? I don't even... Yeah, multi them all up, like six, uh, six probably. Five breaks me even, six is positive. Okay. Uh, and I don't think it's the best way of doing it. So I've changed things. But this one. <laughs> OU. <laughs> OU to win uh, over Iowa State. Had that. Michigan State plus 22 and a half, which you also had. So we both cashed in on that one. Just. Yeah. Yay us. <laughs> Just. Michigan won by 22. Yes. Take the hook. Hold on to your butts time. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then I had Nevada plus 24 and a half. You give me shit about that. You're saying they're like the worst team in all the football. They're actually in this game. They have a chance of winning it. Knew it, nailed it. Uh, let's just focus on the winners, not the fact that Auburn got smoked by Arkansas and no good. West Virginia was unlucky. That one was unlucky because they were looking sweet there. Game was dust and TCU like, no, let's throw a Hail Mary to one of our giant fuck-off receivers and score unnecessarily as the game finishes uh, to blow me out there. So that one wasn't great. Uh, Georgia Tech uh, just... I thought 24 was enough points. It's not for that mess of a program at the moment. Tulsa over SMU couldn't get it done. And Stanford plus 16 and a half was just not quite enough points. I got close in there, but it was not quite enough. I had a bit of a better day. I went four and one. So Ooh, really? I've got you down as three and two. Oh. Well, I had Virginia oh, plus two and a half. Oh, I had you just Virginia to beat Miami. No, I had Virginia plus two and a half. Oh, here we go. Well, that's where we're different there, mate. I'm, I may have missed that, and I'm not going to go back and check the cat tape because I don't <laughs> care enough. So I'll I said they probably you. would win, but... Oh, actually, check that. I did have them take taking them outright. I apologise. I apologise. I did have them outright. Motherfucker. No need to apologise. I mean, it was you've, a really riveting game. Six, six all... I'm, I'm sure I was about to get inundated with tweets uh, once yeah. this episode is released <laughs> of people saying, nah, uh, he's full wa- of shit. I had Wake Forest minus two at Louisville and they got fucking blown out big. The two that you were very critical of me doing some really simple math <laughs> around Oregon and, and Cow and Tennessee and Kentucky, both of them hit. So, fuck you. And then <laughs> Michigan State plus 22 and a half. Just got that one. Over the line. Now, into week 10, the only big thing that I've noticed this week, a lot of road favorites. So a lot of opportunity to make some cash. There will be upsets, not only against the spread, but certainly uh, outright as well. So you've got to be picking some uh, home dogs, surely. Well, funny you say that because when I went, I first went through this, I did end up with quite a few of them. Uh, and then I thought, no, this week I need to lower, I need to trim it back down. I just need to pick the winners. I need this to stop. This is your new strategy. F- exactly right. I need to stop filling it with guff and I just need to pick the ones that win. It seems like a simple strategy, right? So this week I've done that. I've, I've picked the ones that are actually going to get up and I've really refined to where I have a higher level of confidence. So starting <laughs> with that, uh, we've got Purdue playing at home against Iowa. Iowa are not good. They can't score. Purdue can. They can. Well, against Iowa. Northwestern. <laughs> Purdue, I know Northwestern. Purdue will keep them from scoring because Iowa can't score and they're terrible. And they're also going to put up points. I, I expect this one to go the overs, but I'm taking Purdue uh, minus four and a half here. Love that. 
Wow, Purdue favourites at home against the Hawkeyes. Absolutely, they are. Four and a half point favourites. They're going to eat that up. They're going to win by two touchdowns plus. Love that. Next one. I'm a big uh, Georgia Southern fan. <laughs> Not the Eagles. Uh, they're playing Place at run ho- triple option. They're playing at home <laughs> against <know>. Southern Alabama. <laughs> Another. The, the Jags. Correct. Some and, Jags they, football. and they've had a lot of success over Southern Alabama uh, of late. Uh, they come in as underdogs here. so I'm, And I'm picking them to win. You get $2.50 for them to win as an underdog, and I'm taking that. Outright, they're going to win. They lose by 17 points. They're going to win so easy. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's brilliant. Next up, we've got Utah State. Uh, are, are set to put just an absolute beat down on New Mexico. New Mexico, one of the worst programs in all of college football. <laughs> they are not good. Utah State, this is not last year's Utah State. It was a strong football program, but this is a, a Utah State ready to score. And, Jordan and Love s- is the quarterback there, I believe. Is he? Jordan Love. He was the Utah State quarterback, wasn't he? Yeah, but that was a couple of years ago. That was a long time ago. <laughs> Back before he was being bad with the Packers. <laughs> Yeah, and has he even had the opportunity? We can't even say he's been bad because we just don't fucking know because he's just buried. Yeah. We're just going to draft him in the first round and bury the motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> and then he'll stink it up in preseason. Uh, Utah State, minus 16.5. That's 16.5 is not a big enough number in this matchup. They'll, they'll win by 30 Who are they plus. playing? New, New Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. New Mexico couldn't beat New Mexico State. New Mexico oh. State? Those yeah. Lobos. Yeah. They could. No, they are not. All right, last one. <laughs> Got four. Last four, one. Only four. Only four. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving you the best of the best. This week okay. is the best of the best. Washington State, minus six and a half against Stanford. Uh, I expect points in this one. Historically, Stanford like to keep it tight, but I'm expecting big points to be scored both sides. And for that reason, I think the six and a half number doesn't scare me much. I, I, th- I think we're going to see a, an open, free-flowing game. Washington State going to get up. Uh, Stanford are going to score some too, don't get me wrong, but I, I expect like a 30-45. field goals. 30-45 <laughs> sort of. Uh, they are not going to be able to cross the ball past that big white stripe that indicates the front of the end zone not going to happen you heard it here first Washington State <laughs> minus six and a half high scoring game and uh, they're going to cover Th- those four picks right. best of the best alright I have got six and I need you to cut Ooh. one maybe two for me I've got two that I don't like so you'll probably jump at both of them then alright number one UNC minus seven and a half at Virginia uh, Virginia are fucking terrible. Offensively, Brennan Armstrong sucks. Their defense is terrible. Miami is shit, and they beat them. So, yeah, you make a, a compelling case. And UNC <laughs> are like they're good now. They're a good team. Well, Dra- offensively, Dra- they're good. Like it just Dra- feels May. like, yeah, he's good. Oklahoma State minus two against Kansas on the road. I would have thought you would have gobbled those points up. Kansas, let's be real. Good, yes. But they're floundering hard here. Depth is starting to show out. They're starting to get caught up with a bit. And minus two, that suggests that Kansas are favourites at a neutral site. I just don't think that's the case. I think last week was an anomaly. Um, Oklahoma State's a bounce back. Uh, is, does it suggest that? Because Kansas are at home in this one. So I would have thought it would be the Sorry, flip of that. Y- 
But yeah, uh, yeah. like regardless, it does feel like a bit of an overreaction to the oh, Oklahoma yeah. State situation. I, I'm I'm guessing I haven't actually read up, but it, Spencer Sanders would surely be in doubt for this one. So don't care. You're looking yeah, at potentially. Gundy, don't care. Yeah, gonna old Muhammad it. Ali slash Gunner Gundy. Look, I, I I like it. I did see it. I, I, I don't tend to bet on my teams. I don't, I don't bet on Oklahoma State. I don't bet on the Hawks. Uh, I bet on the racehorses I like, though, which is weird. Like, just blindly. <laughs> just like, I like this racehorse. Take my money! <laughs> okay, the second part of this is I'm going to take the over 65 and a half in this game. But that feels a little nerve-wracking now because you're potentially rolling two backup quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't like that one. Like but yeah, I think that's the one that I might cut. I might cut another one then because I don't like my last pick either. Um, well, if you don't like it, then do we take the under? <laughs> we just don't touch it. Um, anyway, K-State, Texas. I have to believe that K-State's offense is okay now, so I'm going to take the over 45 and a half. That is not many points. Big 12 football, K-State and Texas. Quinn Ewers is okay. You've got Bijan Robinson. So 45 and a half, is that what you said? 54 and a half. 54 and a half, oof, okay. Still yep. not big. Like it's 26 points no, a piece. Not huge. Penn State, minus 13 and a half at Indiana. There's my road favorite. Hoosiers are on a five-game losing streak, and they're not good. They've been a huge disappointment this year. Uh, again, I'm not a big Penn State believer, but in this one, I don't think there's a way that they don't win by more than, or don't win by two touchdowns. And lastly, this is the one I'm really nervous about. You're going to hate this one. Tennessee plus eight and a half on the road at Georgia. I actually don't like it. This was my last pick because I was like, I'm scratching this one. So I actually want to. I'm not going to put that one out there. That was my immediate take, though. It was Tennessee eight and a half. They're seven and one against the spread this year. Uh, so I think it still looks pretty juicy, but there's also a world in which this offense gets completely shut down. So I think I'm just going to take the four as well. So let's cut the Tennessee one. Let's cut the Kansas and Oklahoma State over. Um, and that'll leave me with just UNC UVA, Oklahoma State on the road, K-State and Texas to go over in Penn State minus that in half. So you're just taking four road favorites. I've got an over. Sorry, three road favourites and an over. Thank you. After calling favourites for a reason. After calling out that it's a dangerous game to play. It is a dangerous <laughs> game to play. But hey, but. if there's any man who's up for the challenge, it's someone who's had a, a good night on the pod, so I'll back you in, mate. <laughs> um, I know we're getting close to closing it out, so I just want an opportunity here to drop some stamp knowledge on our listeners. So uh, <laughs> the, the price of a stamp when it was 10 cents to, to send things via mail, 1974, so <laughs> not within <laughs> our lifetime, but... They introduced the 10 cent stamp in 2007 so that you could use it to kind of like make up the numbers. Reintroduced? No, they like, well, I, I guess. I'm well, assuming. That, anyway, let's, let's not go down. Let's, this yeah. I, I don't have that for you, but uh, yeah. What other stamp in, knowledge you got there? Well, in 2000, it became 45 cents. That's what I remember. 
You remember the 45 cents? To send a letter, yes, 45 yeah. cents. Yeah, and then they started dicking around with it, and then it kind of got up to 55 in 2008, so the that's why you I've need the 10-cent f- stamp, so you can kind of yeah. make sense. The thing I've never fully understood, though, is like coming up to Christmas time, and Christmas is not that far away now. You could just put those little stickers that says, like, card only, and you didn't have to stamp it. Really? like the Postal Service was doing, like, a really nice thing by... Um, I didn't know that. By was a thing. like just delivering you Christmas mail. Well, fucking JA, just put card only on the box of beer <laughs> exactly. and send it over here, mate. Exactly, exactly. But yes, thank you very much for joining us uh, on this particular week ten preview. We've covered a lot of ground in this show, so thank you again. Uh, my name's Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.